Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Sun is shining. Spring is here. Welcome into the Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. My name is Jake Mendel, and I am joined by the one, the only, every single week. You can find him right here, and if he's not here, he's probably on Twitter. Joshua, how's how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Like I said, I just got back from a walk with my uh, wife and two kids. I was skateboarding while I was pushing her in her car, so she fell asleep, and I thought it was the perfect time to record this podcast. How you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, so so you're adding another meaning to the uh, song "Kick and Push," right? Is that is that basically what's, what's happening there? <laughs> yep, that's what's happening. <laughs> Except it, it gets it gets dicey because I don't know if you've ever skateboarded, but any small rock or crack could could be life or death. And I I've stumbled upon some instances where I almost you know went down, and then that was a little scary. So I'm gonna have to buy her a helmet. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I'm definitely not coordinated enough for that. Before we jump into some of the topics we're gonna talk about which includes Ryan Fitzpatrick talking about Tua. Some of the most important players we think that the Dolphins will need in terms of uh, success in the 2020 season. And some Devontae Parker and Michael Thomas beef. Before we give you a bunch of the rundown on that stuff, please hit us with that subscribe. Hit us with that review. It helps us out so much. We can't thank you enough. Um, If you don't like our takes, still hit us with that five star and just yell at us. We know we embrace the yelling. uh, At Houts on Twitter for Joshua over there. And I am at jmendel94. It's almost football season. Let's talk about it. Josh, I think when I see highlights about the Miami Dolphins season, and um, I always joke about how the the Dolphins social media accounts, how they kind of beat the pass over the head. And, you know, you can make the argument, well, you know, there hasn't been a lot to celebrate. But, man, whenever I see Ryan Fitzpatrick highlights of the 2019 season and, and what he's doing, he's scrambling around. He's never got any help. He's just throwing, you know, prayers to Devontae Parker, who I believe there's a excuse me, statistic that came out today that said that uh, he had the most touchdowns on go routes, which is just, you know, literally go. Uh, I think that was PFF. He had four. And just there was a lot of things he did in that 2019 season where we're going to watch those highlights for years to come and kind of forget how much help he didn't have. You know, some of those passes to Devontae Parker did come on like a fourth down, did, you know, come when he had pressure all over him. I remember seeing, you know, dirt over his jerseys every week. He was beaten. He was bruised. But when we look at those Ryan Fitzpatrick highlights and, and what he meant for the team in 2019, uh, you know, a lot of people, the tanking, anti-tanking. In reality, I wanted a fun season, right? And, and something to kind of cheer about a couple exciting weeks, be able to give some buddies of, of fans of different teams guff. And Ryan Fitzpatrick really provided that for us. And he's going a step further. I mean, he signed that two-year deal and everyone was kind of, you know, this was the year we'd get a quarterback. And kind of put Fitzpatrick in on the afterburner, the, the, the stove. They, they ignored him. 
He was going to be the burnt mac and cheese that no one would ever eat. However, that really hasn't been the case. Uh, he was on Eric Wood's What's Next podcast, and Wood was actually Ryan Fitzpatrick's center for a little bit, so obviously they had that bond. And he really opened up about Tua and, and really, really kind of mentioned supporting him while still competing for that starting job. This is what he had to say. The other thing is bringing a new guy is that you always. I always try to impress right away on these guys. I am here. Again, zero ego. I have so much knowledge. I have made so many mistakes in this league in terms of dumb decisions and throws. I've learned how to pre- prepare. I've learned how much about... I've learned so much, excuse me, about different offenses and the way they operate. Ask questions like I'm an open book. Ask me whatever you want, and sometimes it's up to the younger guy. Courage might not be the right word, but you have to have the courage to come and ask questions. And that's only a little bit of it, and and we'll get into the rest soon, but you kind of look at what the Dolphins did with Josh Rosen last year. I think that's an awesome way to start because before they signed, or before they traded for Josh Rosen, that second round pick, they did sign Fitzpatrick. And I think they knew all along that Fitzpatrick would be such a great guy because you got to look at it two ways. I mean, there are some quarterbacks still on the market right now, especially I look at Cam Newton, who deserve starting jobs, and they deserve to compete for those. But someone like Fitzpatrick, I mean, it's just, you look at that chemistry, you look at him saying things like this, and you have to say that he did the same thing for Rosen last year. Rosen brought it up. I think, you know, when they were going back and forth for that starting job, especially early in the season, you saw that kind of chemistry grow between the two quarterbacks where they were competing against each other, sure, but they never used that against each other. And I think that is so important when we look at someone like Tua Tagovailoa coming in. And if you want him to come in and start six games, He's going to have to work for it, and that's what we want. That is most certainly what we want. Yeah, and you mentioned his highlights. I mean, what he did last year behind a 32nd-ranked offensive line is nothing short of spectacular. He says he's here. You know, I I will be an open book to this rookie, but he needs to realize that I'm still here and I'm still competing. And Ryan Fitzpatrick wouldn't be playing in 2020 or expected to play in 2020 if he didn't think that he was going to compete for that starting job. So we know a lot of things are going to be dictated by what's going on in the world, but there's going to be a most likely a quarterback competition between Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua Vailoa, and Josh Rosen, and it's something that Brian Flores has preached in the past. You know, the best player will play. I don't know if Tua Vailoa will pick up that offense the way Ryan Fitzpatrick has. You know, he's been in this the the NFL 15 years. He's played for eight different teams. He had one of his best seasons with Chan Gailey. So there's a lot of familiarity there. But I mentioned it today on Twitter. I mean, there is no better player to learn from than Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's had the good, he's had the bad, and he's had the ugly. We know, we see the circle that goes around on Twitter where, you know, he has a a great game, signs a huge contract, plays bad, gets cut, has a great game. You know, the endless cycle that we were seeing with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but things just seemed different last year, and it was his ability to, you know, manipulate the pocket and just make plays when everything around him seemed to break down. The guy led the team in in rushing. He he had, what, four or five (laughs) rushing touchdowns. I mean, it was spectacular, and I, I'm excited to see the way that he meshes with Tua Tagovailoa because we heard it back at the Super Bowl. You know, he said, "I'm I'm going to I have no problem mentoring Tua Tagovailoa." And you look at throughout NFL history, and the best quarterbacks have that mentor. Some of them hit the ground running, but most of them don't. I think Tua Tagovailoa is going to succeed by just picking Ryan Fitzpatrick's brain. And based on what we've heard, you know, he's not going to have any issues doing that. So. It's a great quarterback room. I'm excited to see how things develop, and you just love to hear this from Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I want to pass along all these experiences and lessons and things that I've learned to younger guys because when I come in, I had the same thing. I had guys that taught and showed me the way. I'm really excited. I'm excited that they drafted him. I'm excited 
because I'm watching him play in Alabama. He looks like a dynamic talent. Just in meeting him a few times, he seems like an unbelievable kid, great head on his shoulders, says all the right things, wants to do the right things. So, like, for me, I'm his biggest cheerleader right now, but I also want to be out there playing. I also want to be on the field, and that is why I'm still doing it, because I still enjoy the game. Hopefully some of the lessons I'm able to teach him are from watching me, but if it's the other way around, I'm going to do my best to help him succeed in the best way I can. That is... That if that doesn't set him up for another three, at least three years in a starting or uh, competing for a starting gig, if it's not in Miami somewhere else, man, I would love this guy on my staff. I think this is such a guy. I'd love to see him running out onto the field after a touchdown, doing those cool, you know, motions he does, just yelling into the the you know atmosphere, basically like Brian Flores does. These guys on the same sideline would be the most energetic staff I think I'd ever seen in my entire life, and and that itself would be fun. I think when we kind of look at this quarterback room, it is something we haven't seen in Miami for a very very long time, and that is a very open competition. I mean, we could say the, the Cutler year, he had it all by himself. One of the biggest knocks on the Tannehill years was that he never really had that other guy really pushing him. And even though, you know, you kind of think about Matt Moore coming in and having a few spot starts. I think when we kind of transition here, and I was trying to think of who are some of the most important players for the 2020 season, and this can change so much, and, and this could be a much longer debate, but I think you have to put Ryan Fitzpatrick on that list. Not necessarily that he's going to come out and lead the team to the playoffs, but hey, maybe he plays well, which isn't a bad thing. You kind of think about uh, the the competition last year with Rosen, where they kind of flip flop a couple times. Uh, Flores, even I think the worst thing he said all year that bothered me is when he came out and said Rosen is the starter for the rest of the year. Um, only Sith deal in absolutes, so he really didn't have to say that just to kind of flip it the next couple of days. But it. If Fitzpatrick comes out and plays well, not only are the Dolphins going to be exciting to watch, but Tua is going to be behind him learning from there. And, you know, if Fitzpatrick doesn't play well, he stumbles out of the gate, and we see Tua maybe week four, week five, which I think is more possible than some people may believe. That is also, I don't think, the worst-case scenario because I think it'd be so interesting to see Fitzpatrick grow in that dynamic from the coaching standpoint and and those conversations between Tua and Fitzpatrick. I'm sure we'd get some great quotes from one side or the other about trying to learn from the other guy, which I think would be a really, really interesting thing to watch. You brought up uh, Fitzpatrick leading the team in rushing. I think Tua's mobility is... I don't want to say, you know... Tua isn't necessarily a running quarterback, but that pocket presence he brings, I think he can also learn a lot from Fitzpatrick in that sense because Brian Fitzpatrick wasn't going out on naked bootlegs and running the ball, right? He was, you know, scanning, oh, I'm in trouble, I got to run. It was making those smart decisions, and I think that just watching the Fitzpatrick film from last season, obviously not the head-on-head collisions into the end zone that we saw Fitzpatrick doing at, what, 36 years old, but just kind of giving uh, the, the, the rookie the idea of, hey, like, you don't have to be scared of running. You just have to be smart about running. And I think that is going to be so important where Fitzpatrick becomes one of those key figures for the 2020 season, even if, you know, it isn't necessarily lighting up the scorebook. I also have here as, you know, just a little talking point. I put Austin Jackson in one of the most important players for 2020. Um, he was a first-round pick. I mean, there was opportunities for the Dolphins to move around in this draft. Yes, they, you know, quote-unquote, got a lot of value, and I was kind of hoping they wouldn't move to too much, but I don't need him to come in and be Laramie Tunsil, but you want to come in and see some sort of idea or or get this image of how he was a first-round pick, and I think that is so important here. Before I give my last, I do kind of want to get a couple from you because I feel like I've been ranting a little bit here, and I know that's hard to do when, uh, 
hard to stop talking when you're talking Ryan Fitzpatrick because it goes on forever. But but let me get you some thoughts from you, Josh. Yeah, man, I think the biggest thing is you mentioned this team being fun and how long has it been since the Miami Dolphins have been viewed as fun? I mean, this is an exciting team. They're young. I believe it was our, our good pal Brian Bernie threw out there again that we mentioned it last week that no one on this roster is over 30 except for Ryan Fitzpatrick. What he brings to that quarterback room, it's just things that you can't even, you know, no resume can equate to what he, the knowledge that he's experienced. And you mentioned his mobility. I mean, that was the biggest key last season was as dreadful as that offensive line was, Ryan Fitzpatrick turned chicken shit into chicken salad, and it was impressive. So I think Tua has a lot to learn. I don't think that either of us can sit here and say, you know, we mentioned it's a quarterback competition. It's a competition by default because Brian Flores himself has said he wants to see the best player play. He wants to see these guys compete each and every day, and he wants to play those guys that, you know, exceed expectations. Can Tua hit the ground running? Absolutely. Is he that – Pro, that generational talent, if he's healthy, that many people believe he can be, absolutely. I think he immediately steps on that field with those pads on, and he is the most talented quarterback in that room. But that doesn't – sometimes talent isn't – you know, it's not quite – he's not quite ready to go out there and to start right away, in my opinion. So I think it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick as the starter. But he's going to have a short leash, and I do think you're right. A lot of people are underestimating how soon we could see Tua Tungvaloa. Some people are writing articles that he should redshirt the entire season. I mean, you don't invest a fifth overall pick. You, you don't have a guy that is a superstar. And whether you whether you like Tua or not, I mean, he is a superstar. We talk about his jersey sales. I mean, they already sold out of throwback jerseys. They re- It was like the day after they released them, they sold out of these things. The fan base has never been this excited for a player in, in, in history, I mean, I, I wasn't alive for Dan Marino. I can bet based on what we've heard from experts and analysts that it d- did not impact the franchise anywhere near, you know, from that, that first day when he was drafted, the way this Tua thing has started. I mean, it, when the record books are, are written, uh, Dan Marino is the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, there's no comparison there. But what Tua has brought life to this franchise, to this fan base, this organization, it, it's insane to think about. And, you know, a lot of that is going to – it's going to weigh on his shoulders. You know, he doesn't seem to be that guy. He, he played for Alabama. He's not that guy that takes this huge workload or, you know, has these crazy, this understanding that he has to be, you know, above and beyond that superhero. And that was his mentality at Alabama. He needs to come in here and just learn that, you know, it's okay to, to slide. It's okay to throw the football away. It's okay to, to not make mistakes. So for me, you mentioned Fitzpatrick and Austin Jackson. I'm going to throw out Tua Tonovailoa. It's crazy. Uh, you know how easy is that to say? <laughs> Most important player in 2020, Tua Tonovailoa. He has to pick up the offense. He has to prove that he can stay healthy. And when he does get his opportunity to go out there and win football games, he has to prove that you know he isn't going to make those same mistakes that he did. He's not going to hold on to the football too long and take those unnecessary hits because he doesn't have to. He, he needs to, to live and fight another day and go out there in the next play and make things happen. The other guy I'm going to throw out there is Bobby McCain, and this is a guy that it seems like the coaching staff thinks the world of. We know, again, we talk about it on previous shows. When he was, in, when he was playing nickel, he was, he, he was so good that they gave him this new contract, and, and whether that was because – the, the last front office was, you know, who they were, and they just made poor decisions. I, I don't know, but Bobby McCain needs to go out there and prove that he is a piece in that secondary because that secondary, the expectations are huge for them. They got Byron Jones. They got Xavier Howard. They invested the 30th overall pick in Igbenogany. Now you got Bobby McCain, Eric Flowers back, or um, Eric Rowe back there, excuse me. The world, this entire defense depends on how good that secondary can be because they brought in some pieces up front, but they didn't make those splashy moves like a Jadavian Clowney. They didn't trade for a Yannick Nagoku. You know, they didn't make those 
They didn't bring in those high prolific pass rushers. They brought in a Shaq Lawson who signed a, a, a moderate deal. They, they brought in Emmanuel Agba who signed a moderate deal. They're expecting that secondary to latch down on those receivers and allow those players up front to schematically get to the quarterback. So for me, it's Tua Tagovailoa because, you know, it's Tua Tagovailoa. And then Bobby McCain because he's making a lot of money. The expectations when he moved to safety, uh, you know, they were – they were they were a little bit meh, and I don't think that he showed enough last year that the team that the Dolphins should have avoided the position like they did. They brought in Brandon Brandon Jones, which I think the Dolphins think very highly of him. But I need to see a lot from Bobby McCain in 2020. Absolutely, I think that that secondary is going to be an interesting story, and this is going to be a year where we really start to see what kind of defensive mind Brian Flores is, right? Like, we can kind of say, we can sit back and say that last year, you know, he definitely overachieved. But, I mean, if you overachieve on a zero and get a three, that's different than, you know, having the four be an eight and wanting to get to a ten, right? Because coaching can do that. Coaching is really that difference maker. So my my third guy who I think is really important is someone like Kyle Van Noy, who, based on everything I've read and based on what we're seeing, I think he is going to be the Brian Flores out in the field for, you know, kind of a lack of better terms. This is a guy the Dolphins really invested in, and we know why. I mean, he's just such a unique player. He can kind of do a bit of everything. And we just can't see the defense really start to fall apart again. This is what Brian Flores has put together. This is his defense. I mean, you bring in, you, you see what the you know NFL is doing with all these offensive coordinators jumping to head coaches at the age of 30 and things like that because people want the offense to be set in stone for years and years and years. We really need to start to see with how much the Dolphins invested into this unit. We really need to see that picture really start to come to life. And that's why I think Van Noy is so important. Because if Van Noy, I feel, has a rough season, I think this defense as a whole isn't going to be really what we should be expecting out of Brian Flores. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, we mentioned, you know, what Ryan Fitzpatrick, how well-versed he is in Chan Gailey's offense. Kyle Van Noy knows Brian Flores' defense to a T. So does Landon Roberts. And they can, you know, ooze off a little bit of that information to some of these younger players, some of these guys that might have only been there one year. Maybe they didn't take that next step like some people thought, like a Jerome Baker. You know, maybe Kyle Van Noy is going to be that leader on defense, absolutely. And I think based on interviews, based on just – you know, what he's going to mean to that team. That is an exciting pick. For me, I went back to the offensive line, and I wanted to go with Rodney Hump, but I didn't because, like Austin Jackson, I think those are two young players that they need to go out there and take their lumps before they can truly, you know, understand what their potential is and truly get a grasp of the game, like any of these rookies. But for me, it's Eric Flowers. He signed a three-year, $30 million contract. We know by many accounts, the Dolphins wanted to go after um, Joe Thunney. They gave him that big uh, franchise tag. Dolphins couldn't really compete there. And then they kind of backtracked and went after Eric Flowers. We know Eric Flowers was dreadful as a left tackle, moved inside a guard, played pretty well. Dolphins gave him a three-year, $30 million contract. This is a guy that needs to not only prove that he's worth that money, but prove that he can be a, uh, you know, a stable part of that offensive line, which, again, was absolutely atrocious last season. And the Dolphins, they made some of these moves at running back. They brought in a Jordan Howard, a, a Matt Breed. They didn't make that splashy signing like some people might think. 
but it all depends on the offensive line. And, you know, I mentioned it before, as you get older, you start to realize how important the trenches are just as important as the defensive line is. The offensive line is even more important. They got to keep the quarterback upright. They got to make those passing lanes for the quarterback to have success. And they got to open up those holes for the run game. So I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant. You know, I'm, I, Excited to see these pieces come together that the Dolphins brought in on the offensive line. But at the same time, I'm scared because if history repeats itself, the Dolphins are have been atrocious at developing offensive line talent and finding ways to fill that gap. So it's one of those things where I think Eric Flowers needs to step up because he's getting paid to be that guy. Yeah, and I think it's important to say, too, when I mention Austin Jackson, I don't expect him to, you know, or want him or, or setting the bar at, like, a Laramie Tunsil level Um what I'm trying to get at is is just that, you know, spark. We see that, all right, we, we get why the Dolphins, you know, made this move. Maybe a couple highlights here there. Obviously, he's going to get beat and things like that. But Eric Flowers makes a lot of sense because one thing I've griped about the last couple of years, and it's really not a huge deal. We're nitpicking. I mean, it's the middle of uh, well, spring here. But that's kind of the point of this is just something to talk about is – where the Dolphins have made some cuts with guys that maybe they could have kept, maybe how much money do you need to have on the cap, right? In the sense of, do we really need to roll over $28 million compared to $23 million? Is it worth to cut that one guy for $5 million? And I kind of look at Daniel Kilgore as that. You know, that guy took his lumps. I mean, I know he dealt with injuries, but I mean, he was the leader of that offensive line. He always said the right things, and he seemed like that veteran who was not only their best player, but but really stable for most of the season. So you need someone to step into that role and kind of be that voice of that unit because they are going to struggle. There are going to be some rough games. You need someone to really come out and, and really take a blunt of blame, answer the hard questions. And I think Eric Flowers could do that. The veteran who, you know, struggled at left tackle, maybe being a more little more accepting now, moves inside to guard, maybe a little bit of wisdom, really embraces that role as a leader on that offensive line. I love the Flowers pick because... When you look at building a team, I mean, it's so easy to, you know, most important players, you know, Drew Brees, uh, who we're going to talk about in a couple, Michael Thomas, these star players. But when you're really trying to build that franchise, it is about finding those few leaders who really can, you know, be a role model for those younger guys. And I, I think Flowers is a great pick and what he could potentially be, you know, guard, obviously, he's not going to be in the, the forefront of everything. You know, he's not going to maybe a couple pancakes here and there, but but. His job is pretty, you know, cut and dry unless he's getting horribly beat like a, a Billy Turner or Dallas Thomas. So if he can really step up into that role, I think that would be interesting to watch. I do want to talk about this, though. We really should chat about Michael Thomas and Devontae Parker. So, Josh, I'm going to let you explain what is really happening between these two. So here's what happened. Uh, the other day on Instagram, Fox NFL asked the question, which is tougher? A, make a catch while guarded by Stefan Gilmore, or B, break up a pass while being guarded by Michael Thomas? And all Devontae Parker said was A, and you kind of know why. He, he's faced up Stephon Gilmore twice over the last, what, five seasons. He had that monster game against him last year. Obviously, that's the only thing that he can truly talk speak on because it's the thing he does. And that triggered Michael Thomas, as we know. We see some of those other, uh, you know, bouts he gets in with some of these other players. First, Michael Thomas responded with, for you, yes, go run some numbers up. Then you can talk. I lapped you in. You've been in the league longer than me, first rounder. And he posted some emojis. Par Parker responded with, got some hard feelings there, brother. Let me get targeted 300 times a game. And that, again, must have triggered Michael Thomas, who said, in other words, you weak. They don't even put your name in the same sentence as me. Remember that. And then he continued. He, he threw it out there. You're still not going to do nothing. It took you six years and 17 weeks to have a good game. Get the F out of here. Blame your parents, not no quarterback. 
and all Devontae Parker said was quit crying. We will post this uh, this back and forth as we did on the Finn side of the other day, but my first initial thoughts are, man, we need football back in our life. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> like, that's like the, the tough thing here because, you know, Parker, he was maybe, hey, it, he had a great game against Stephon Gilmore. He should be happy about that. Defensive player of the year. And, you know, that wasn't even his best game of the season. I still think that Eagles game was really his coming out party and, and really showed what he can be at his best. And, you know, I'm not going to defend Michael Thomas here, but I think you don't become a, you know, top wide receiver in the league. I'm going to say Michael Thomas is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I don't care how much he's targeted. He, I, you know, it's up for debate, but for me, he's the best. And in order to become one of those best players in the league, you don't, you, you have this fiery attitude where you kind of are always, you know, think maybe people not aren't out to get you, but, but trying to, you know, doubt you, you know, forget the haters, you know, that, that type of mentality is how you really build that work ethic of becoming one of the best players in the world. Um, Antonio Brown, before all that stuff happened, I mean, he was the same way that everyone was kind of against him. So it's kind of a weird situation, though, where where you can't really... You, you want to defend Devontae Parker, but, but what I saw Twitter doing, which I was kind of happy about, is they were saying, well, of course, and I think you were right there, of course Michael Thomas has had the better career, but I mean... Parker did nothing wrong with this, and for Thomas to kind of come out and start ranting, I mean, it just, we need football back. You're 100% right. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing here is consistency. If Devontae Parker, throughout his first five seasons, you know, put up the same numbers they did last year, then we have a conversation. I mean, Mm -hmm. Michael Thomas, like you said, I I think DeAndre Hopkins is right up there with him. You can probably throw Julio Jones. There's some guys up there that I won't even put Devontae Parker in the same sentence with, but again... He ha- it's because he hasn't shown consistency. You're right. That Eagles game, he took that game over. You know, there was a Jets game. He, he took the games over. He, that game against Stephon Gilmore, he took that game over. I mean, that is what you want from wide receiver one, from that those elite talents, and that's what we saw glimpses of last season. So do I think Devontae Parker is as good as Michael Thomas? Absolutely not. I think some people on Twitter, uh, I think they truly believe that, and I, I don't know. That's a little crazy to me, but it was nice to see Dolphins Twitter kind of come together and, you know, kind of call Michael Thomas out because – but he was being a, a little bit of a bully, and it was for really no reason. And Devontae Parker just kind of laughed it off, and I just can't believe it all stemmed from the word A. It's it's one of those things that you you have to talk about because I think all the national media outlets were discussing. I think they had Deion Sanders or Steve Steve Smith on NFL Network talking about it last night. We definitely need football back, but it's going to be interesting to see how much this drives these players. I mean, Michael Thomas, again, I think he threw something out there that says, you know, keep keep underrating me. It's like, dude, no one's underrating you. They already think you're the best wide receiver in the NFL. Devontae Parker now is going to go out there and try to exceed expectations that we already had. So I think this is a win-win situation for the Miami Dolphins. I know a lot of people are, you know, why why is Devontae Parker getting into a dispute like that? I mean, all he did was say A because he knows what Stephon Gilmore is. He absolutely bullied the defensive player of the year. So there's no reason why Devontae Parker can't say that. But I just think it's crazy that out of nowhere Michael Thomas uh, thought that that was some kind of knock against him. And, again, the biggest thing here is that we need football back in our life. Yeah, and, like, saying one thing's harder than another doesn't mean, like, the other's hard. I mean, I don't think you can really look at it as a huge way of discounting. You know, it's it's a hard to get a million dollars. It doesn't mean it's easy to get $999,000. You know what I mean? Like, like I think that that's where the, the big thing comes in there. But I do want to talk about this receiving core, Josh, because I really feel that for the next year, and whether it's, you know, 100% my fault, I think this 
this group is what we're going to really have under the microscope the most. And, you know, I started to see more people talk about it when my first prediction of the, you know, 53 roster, it's almost as, you know, tough as mock drafts sometimes, the, the amount of 53-man rosters people, you know, put out, especially this time of the year. But, um, you know, th this wide receiver group, outside of Parker, who, again, we saw it for one year. We need to see it much, much more. But, you know, the way he responded to that, you see him growing. It's weird. Devontae Parker's a veteran on this team, man. That, that's something we really, you know, have to accept. And, man, time flies. Jeez. But um, you, you look at this group and, and what they're going to do with whether it's Fitzpatrick or, or whomever is at quarterback. And, and you have to be a little intrigued. But we really need to get this conversation going of, of guys like Alan Hearns. Can he maybe come back and have this huge year with someone? You know, if you want to compare Devontae Parker to someone, I feel like Alan, Alan uh, Robertson. Is that right, Bears? Yeah, Alan Robinson, yep. Yeah, I mean, having him outside of Alan Hearns, and you think about that Jaguars team, I think it was like 2016, that, that made the playoffs. I mean... Parker and Robertson, I think you can kind of make that comparison that they're a lot alike. So can Alan Hearns come back and have a big year? Is Preston Williams going to be healthy? Jakeem Grant, you think, like, people are talking about it on Twitter today. There are a lot of, you know, punt return options on this team. Jakeem Grant struggled with, you know, catching the ball at times last year. You look at those Josh Rosen highlights of, of that Cowboys game, and, and you see that even against the Patriots. Uh, Albert Wilson, he took a pay cut, and, and he's really rolling the dice here in terms of are the Dolphins going to use me as a premier player? Is this group going to really be what the Dolphins need? And, you know, someone who isn't brought up nearly enough in all this is Mike Jacecki. Not only is he catching balls that he's thrown to himself, I mean, he's primed to have the season of his career. Uh, and the Chan Gailey offense that loves big guys, you think about Jacecki, obviously they don't, uh, a Gailey offense doesn't use a tight end, you know, hugging the left tackle. They have him out in the slot. Who caught the fourth most, or who had the most, the fourth most yards, excuse me, out of the slot last year, according to Pro Football Focus, Mike Jacecki. And then I have another statistic, I believe, of just how he could be, actually, it's not really a statistic. PFF just went into a huge thing about how he is the one primed for this big year. And I think it's really important we start to talk about him as being one of the stars, the faces of this Miami Dolphins offense moving forward outside of that receiving court. I think it is Parker and Jacecki, uh 1A and 1B for, for this feeding or this uh, food chain the Dolphins will have going. Yeah, and it is one of the most, you know, it uh, uncertain situations on the roster because a lot of it has to do with, you know, can they repeat what they did last season? We saw a huge step up in Mike Jasicki's production because he wasn't asked to block. You know, I think he was the, he stuck back and blocked the most his year one with Adam Gase. I mean, we saw him take the next step last season. We saw Devontae Parker take the next step last season. We saw Preston Williams on pace, and I joked about it because I looked it up, and I'm just going to keep saying it. He was on pace to break Jerry Rice's rookie, uh, you know, yards <laughs> rookie season. No, he's not Jerry Rice, but I, I just love to use that. So I think what's most fascinating here is that Albert Wilson took that pay cut, and I think it was the Miami Herald reported that the plan as of now, and of course this could change over the next few weeks, months, you know, based on how they perform in preseason, based on how they pick up this new offense, yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams will be those guys on the outside, and then they expect Albert Wilson to be that slot receiver. And if you take a, a step back and look at what Albert Wilson did before that injury, I mean, that's exciting. You mentioned Jakeem Grant. We have to see him finally take that next step and be worth that contract because we talked about it on one of our little book clubs that we did. He was supposed to have similar numbers 
numbers to Taylor Gabriel because we crunched the numbers and said, you know what, uh, the contract's there. I think I think he got outperformed by Taylor Gabriel, and I think that's remained the, the thing that just sticks out in my head, that he's not even as good as Taylor Gabriel right now. I know sure some of that has to do with injuries, uh, whatever the reason is, but we need to see more out of Jakeem Grant. We didn't even mention Isaiah Ford, who stepped up big towards the end of the year. I think it was the Jets game when Devontae Parker went down. Isaiah Ford showed flashes, and that's a guy that I think in the right offense – Young player, can really exceed expectations. And then there's Malcolm Perry. I mean, he's listed as a wide receiver. No one truly knows where he's going to end up. You got other guys like Matt Collins, uh, is he, Gary Jennings. I mean, you can go through the Dolphins' list of wide receivers, and some people are going to say, who the heck is that? Like, I, I don't even know who that is. But the Dolphins have plenty of guys that we need to see take the next step this year. And whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, like you said, whether it's Tuatana Vailoa, that is the expectation because – the Dolphins attack the interior offensive and defensive lines this offseason. I think a lot of people expect them to go hard after the offensive side and get some of those skill players next year. So we got to see who's going to be around long term. We got to see if Alan Hearns is worth that contract. We got to see if Jakeem Grant's worth that contract. We got to see if Albert Wilson's going to be here. There's a lot of question marks in the Dolphins receiving core. But with question, you know, as, as much uncertainty as there is there, if they can repeat and do some of the things that we've seen them do throughout their career, exciting things are yet to come. You know, you mentioned Taylor Gabriel, um, and I, I still think that was a great comparison, and that maybe not maybe exactly the same in terms of play style, but in what we wanted in their statistics, right, and, and how they were used in the offense. Uh, can you tell me what team Taylor Gabriel's on right now if I, without looking? I think he's a free agent. Am I, am I wrong? I thought you're I saw he was. You're 100% right. He is currently not on a team, and, and like I'd love to see someone like Jakeem Grant come out, but, but this group is loaded with guys who have injury histories, and while any... At any time, those those histories can just you know snap and become a thing of the past. They're no longer injury prone guys. Just like the thing that that really gets me is everyone called Tannehill an injury prone wide or yeah wide receiver. <laughs> I'm leaving it. That's, That's fine. It's, he is. It's yeah. A fact. <laughs> but um, I mean, he took hit after hit after hit for five years as the you know quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, and never once was he said injury prone. I mean, I had a you know reaching close to a million loops on my Vine account of just him getting clobbered after, you know, insert offensive lineman here gave up a, a, a sack, you know? So those things can change at every moment. It's just the Dolphins, the, with so many guys having the same sort of track record, you have to wonder if they don't take that risk and maybe go with an undrafted guy because there are undrafted guys that make teams every year. So I think we have to really look at those guys as and maybe not necessarily just Perry, maybe an undrafted, maybe a late-round guy who could be a good story, but also provide some consistency who might not have the ceiling as some of these veteran wide receivers, but provide a floor each and every week that you know they're going to be out there and know they're really going to be ready to play. Yeah, and it's going to be you know one of the most exciting things to watch develop over this year. And we know there's a long ways to go before we see football. But uh, you know whether it's the Dolphins' receivers, the running backs, offensive, defensive line. You know there's lots of young players with these low risk, high reward ceilings that uh, all they need to do is is find the right system. And I think that's what the Miami Dolphins are hoping. Brian Flores, Chan Gailey, these these veteran coaches can bring to these guys. And you know if, if everything seems to come together as it as it did this offseason, I think, you know, good things are to come for the Miami Dolphins. There's no doubt about that. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We always appreciate it. I know it's tough. Go that extra little step. Hit us with that rate. Hit us with that review. Hit the subscribe button. Go on. Do it. It helps us out so much. And follow the conversation. Join us on Twitter. Not only are we posting on the Finsider, and, you know, Josh doesn't like to say he does it, but I, I do look at the comments. I try to 
kind of finagle those, the ones I, you know, that aren't just people being ridiculous, into what we're talking about. So reach out to us. Keep the conversation going. Keep these angles because, I mean, there are going to be things we're going to be talking about for the next couple months that maybe aren't going to be, you know, completely factual come opening day because right now we're talking about Michael Thomas and Devante Parker beef. That's what the offseason is for. That is how you keep the conversation running. Thank you, everyone, for so much for listening. Enjoy your rest of the week. Most importantly, fins up. Fins up. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami